Welcome to season three of Motivate Me. We invite you to travel the 50 states in 90 days as we interview people about their passion. Why? In order to inspire you to live a life that's more exciting or more meaningful. This is Motivate Me, and I'm Lynette Renda. Today we are in Washington, D.C., and I'm talking to Ryan Ubuntu Olson. Yeah. Ryan, thank you so much for meeting with us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to hear my story. I really appreciate it. Well, you know, we're going around the country and we're interviewing people about their passions, and we got word that you were pretty passionate about what you do and about what you're about. So can you explain that to us? Tell everybody what your passion is. Yeah, well, uh, in summary, I am an international LGBT rights activist. Tell everybody what LGBT is. <laughs> uh, I am an L lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and intersex advocate uh, from our, uh, around the world, uh, working with all sorts of groups, basically from the local community group in some remote community in a, a country around the, somewhere around the world, all the way back to governments. Um, at the highest levels um, and including the United Nations, um, just trying to understand the complexities of how gender and sexual diversity fit into our global discourse um, and all emanating from uh, a personal place within my heart, uh, which believes that all people around the world, no matter who you are, um, deserve respect and basic levels of fundamental human rights. Um, and so uh, I, that's what I do in my day-to-day -day discourse. When did that understanding surface for you? Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the, what drives my passion is an underlying understanding of myself um, in regards to my capacity for love. And uh, that emanated from uh, uh, my college years when I actually fell in love for the very first time. And I realized for the first time in my life that I was capable of something that the world up until that point had told me I was not capable of. That, that world that told me that what I felt was evil and wrong, gross and sinful. And so when I actually love someone for the first time, mind you, at a private Catholic school, where I was already surrounded by all these spiritual experiences, the deepest and most profound spiritual experience I had was the capacity I felt to love another person. And when I say that, I don't just mean it in the sense of a frivolous love. <laughs> oh my God, he's so cute. Oh, he's so cute. Oh, wonderful. No, the kind of love that you experience with your best friend, the kind of love that you want to make the sacrifices for someone because you know it's the best, the right thing to do, uh, the kind of love that's unconditional and, and aches for that tenderness, that closeness, that beauty that can only be found in love songs and in the movies and the poetry of ancient times, you know, it's, that's what I experienced. And, after experiencing that for the first time, I realized I was, not only was I normal, but I, I was capable of beautiful things. And what a, how shameful it is that in a, today's world that people are made to feel wrong about feeling something that is actually a gift and something to, that they have to offer themselves, other people, and most importantly, the rest of the world. You know, I'm, 
I'm naming my truth by living out loud and loving people um, authentically. And so that's what drives my desire to see that um, be carried out in all ways in every corner of the world. So that's what I do. And you know, I like I totally get what you're saying about your own personal experience and how this started with you, but I see something so much even bigger than that coming from you too as you say this, which is the ability to be compassionate and to also empathize with people. Right, right. You know, because you're taking you're taking this to a much grander scale mm-hmm. than just approaching life in your single in your singular role. Mm-hmm. You know, like Thank you're I mean because Talk to us about the missions and things that, that you do, that you're a part of. Well, um, I think uh, one of the, uh, I, I've had an evolution of experiences that have driven me to do what I'm doing now, which started with an act of love, but has really carried me forward in life to do all sorts of things. Everything from living in uh, an LGBT community in Kenya and helping them to fight for their basic human rights, to working at the United Nations and ensuring that across all throughout the world that people were recognized for their basic fundamental um, human rights. People are getting kicked out of their homes because they simply love someone. People are being murdered. People are being denied health care services, right? So now it's car- that's all carried me forward to doing what I do now, which is working in the field of international development under the context of public health and sexual reproductive rights and working with governments um, to analyze how not serving gender and sexual minorities within their communities actually has public health impacts around the world and um, everything with HIV, STI, epidemics, um, population, all these things that if we don't uh, um, value our marginalized populations, then um, it actually impacts the greater communities. So that's what I do now, <laughs> if that makes sense. So. It does make sense, but you know what? I just got this like overwhelming thought that had you not had this own personal experience of yours, you wouldn't be out there helping all of these other people mm-hmm, who are mm-hmm. experiencing things that are probably much, much harder. Oh my gosh, right? yes. Well, and I think that's also kind of what drives my work is I don't want to say I feel indebted to the world, but I'm also one of those fortunate people that beyond just having the love of a romantic kind between me and this beautiful, amazing person that was in my world, I was also surrounded by love my whole life. Uh, when I came out, my family accepted me. My my sister, the very first thing my sister said to me was um, not, oh, are you okay? How is it? It's like, oh, I'll carry your child for you like Phoebe did for her brother on Friends. And I was like... <laughs> okay, I don't even have a boyfriend yet, but uh, thanks, you know, every, and my grandparents, my, I remember my grandfather, I was an activist on my campus, and my grand, we brought the World AIDS Day quilts to my campus, and it was my grandfather who, at the age of 75, this curmudgeon of an old man, who would help me put those up, and, you know, so my, I've been surrounded by love, and as I've learned more and more about the trials that so many people around the world face, it seems unfair. <laughs> that it I, seems unfair, but, but the thing is that support, all of these experiences that you've had make you able mm-hmm, exactly. to give these people what, what they need help with. Exactly, and to, and to hopefully hear their stories and to show um, and demonstrate that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and to recognize that 
what they're fighting for is profoundly beautiful and amazing and it benefits not just those individuals or even the communities that are, they're in but it, this is something that benefits every human being throughout the world imagine all of the people out there in the world who are afraid of their own feelings of love <laughs> i particularly think about men in this world who are taught to deny themselves emotion and feeling who are told that if they express themselves in any way other than hyper masculine that they are gay or a woman <laughs> both horrible things to what's wrong with both of those things first and foremost but second that people deny themselves their ability to understand their innermost thoughts and their innermost feelings but most importantly that they could be afraid of the simple beauty of loving another person let alone seeing the best in other human beings that is the profound deficit that we face in this world and that's what the community that i'm fighting for is actually bringing to the world and that is our ability to love our ability to connect and have intimacy in all sorts of ways with different people and that matters um, and I, I if I could explain a little bit of my personal philosophy I don't know if you've heard of the notion of Hellenistic belief but what it means what a Holon is is a thing that is a whole but is also a part of something else so when we think about a Hellenistic philosophy it recognizes that a cell sits, fits in uh, within an organ. An organ makes up the human body. A person makes up a relationship, which also makes up a family, which makes up a community. A community makes up a society, and societies make up our globe, right? So think about the fact that an individual is afraid of love, but how does that translate to the greater communities we exist in? How does that then translate itself into the global discourse we have Wars are fought because we are, have an inability to empathize and co have compassion for one another because we're afraid to see the other in ourselves, l to love each other. This is the greatest manifestation of what I'm talking about. It's not just a simple desire of my own to have a family and be a part of something intimate. It's truly how we love and care for each other. And so this is what drives my work. And um, you know, they say there's the job and then there's the work and the passion. So the job for me is currently working on HIV programming around the world, specifically aimed at helping gender and sexual minorities. But my work, my life's work is really geared towards that greater arching goal is how do we help society and the globe find peace, find justice, find love amongst ourselves and to be able to embrace and accept um, whom we really are, but also our capacities to love each other. Well, so. you're doing a great job at it because I, I felt that coming from you in 3.2 seconds. <laughs> like from the Doesn't that matter? It matters though. It matters even our smallest actions, the way we treat each other. That's what it comes down to. It's about being kind. It's not this big magnanimous thing that is unachievable. It's about how we choose in our every moment to love each other and that's what really matters and that's what I hope I project and I live by that and hopefully people see it but if they don't I know I'm living my truth so and you have a long resume of working on these things but when when did your long resume begin how long would you say well, you've been well I have to say I was an accidental activist um, I uh, had just come out when I was about uh, 18 years old and it was my first my freshman year of college 
um, and I had gone to a chosen a Catholic school naively because I was really drawn to the core values that it taught is about social justice. It was compassion. about whole compassion, Helping holistic others. health, right? <laughs> so then I actually did an internship at Walt Disney World in Florida where I went down there and had the time of my life and for the first time in my life felt quote unquote normal because there were so many other gay men that were just like me and I didn't feel weird or strange or I was just I dated Prince Charming and Aladdin and <laughs> Prince Eric and there was nothing or I mean I got to break a little a couple girls hearts but because you know they couldn't have my boyfriend but nonetheless I was just so normal it was strange so then I came back to my um, my university after that with that new sense of self and so all of a sudden started realizing that people started treating me differently walking on the other side of the street just to avoid me or not listening to me wholeheartedly or saying horrible things about what I now knew to not be true. And as we're, it was funny because as we're learning in our classes as social justice advocates, I'm like, well, you have to apply your passions. And so I became, again, the accidental, uh, accidental um, president of our um, University Gay Straight Alliance. It was originally formed to help um, cleanse people of their homosexuality. And then it was a very, small group that kind of still carried that shame that I had fortunately been able to lift at while I was in Florida. And so I was able to kind of um, come in and help illuminate maybe the, um, for not just them, but the rest of my campus community that this was a beautiful thing and something not to be ashamed of. And I grew and grew in my successes. The president was there for four years and um, had informal dance, the first gay dance at my school, and pushed in all these unique and fun ways. I'm, I'm the kind of person that doesn't want to just um, be in your face, but I want to live out my truth and, and find creative different and different ways to kind of express that. And so we were quite successful, ended up having almost an eighth of the campus on our email list and became probably the most popular group on campus to be a part of. Um, not just me, it was mixed with cultural norms of society at that time, people wanting to make a difference. But I d got arrested, I protested for things, and I was eventually recognized at a national level for my work and started doing more and more. So so I was going to ask you, because you know my, my listeners, they're listening or they're watching because they want to live a life that's more meaningful or fulfilled or, or exciting. Yeah. So. With that, though, come challenges or hesitations and things we have to kind of overcome in order to do it. So what kind of challenge would you say you've had and how'd you get over it? Um, uh, so on a very personal level, I think what was interesting about my ad activism um, at the time was that I faced the outright bigots all the time. The people with the signs that said the most ridiculous things, the people that literally sent death threats to me via email, calling me, all these things. and. Those are definitely difficult to um, navigate and to understand. Um, but what was the most challenging was um, having those people in my life who I thought were my friends, who I naively presumed because we were close that they understood me. And I found out by the, my senior year, for example, that a group of my friends actually prayed for my soul every Friday. And you can imagine the turmoil that that creates within oneself, the juxtaposition of thinking you know a truth and then having that truth be revealed as being something else 
And so um, what has kept me alive is that core belief and knowledge that I know that this feeling I love, <laughs> of love, that I feel is the right thing to do, number one, but number two, that it's what sustains me and will and does sustain others. And it's funny because, um, sorry, my religious self coming out, but like I've been raised since I was little, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so even when I was being tormented in middle school, um, called a fag, and even when my friends abandoned me, all these situations, it's really difficult for me to hate people, even if they hate me, <laughs> you know, and understanding that the truth that I know, um, that I no longer have shame around is not, is, is impacting them much more than it's impacting me and being able to move forward in my life, um, transcending some of those difficult conversations, those difficulties, knowing that if I seek out and love people, um, that there's some, there's authenticity in everyone, you know, and it's okay to, um, that, that that's what helps me get through life I guess you could say so, <laughs> I, sorry. no that was awesome that's awesome what do you think you've learned most about yourself through all of this um, I think that uh, there is such a thing as personal resiliency one um, in terms of being able to just know yourself knowing being authentic being real knowing yourself is so important because when you know yourself, you can be confident in entering and facing the world. That's one. But also, two, um, you never accomplish anything on your own. I'm back to that Hellenistic philosophy um, that if I wouldn't be here today, if it weren't for my grandparents and my parents, my sister and their love and their support, um, that, ha that taught me and unveiled what love is in the first place, right? But I also wouldn't be there without all of my fellow activists and those who have given their lives for me to be here today, for the people that are currently doing this work, and even the people around the world who are also making sacrifices equal <laughs> to our greatest heroes um, today that may not be recognized today, but are still doing such significant work, you know? So... Um, valuing my friends, the real ones, <laughs> really has become such an important part of my life. And also being grateful for even the smallest actions, someone being there for you um, in small and big ways. It's, it's just so important to name and honor as much as you can. Um, I actually, just to give a small anecdote, um, in my work we uh, visit the field a lot, meaning we travel around the world and are often in hostile situations. One of my dear colleagues, mentors, and friends was actually killed recently in a terrorist attack in Mali. Um, and she was in a hotel and um, held hostage and then murdered. And I was so grateful because before she passed, I was able to write her this long letter about how thankful I was for her presence in my life and how much she'd had an impact on me. And while it's tragic that she is gone, I'm at peace knowing that I was able to tell her how much she meant to me. And I try and do that with every person that touches my life. And I try and make sure that people know that they matter to me, um, even if I don't hear it back, because I know it's important just to say it and to name it, because what you put out into the world matters. And that mattered to me, that she was able to say that. And what you put out into the world, you get back. Yes, I really agree with that. And even if it doesn't come back in the way you anticipate it, um, there's a sense of calmness, a peace, uh, it's unknown in our vocabulary, but you feel it in the depths of your heart that you know that it's coming back to you in various ways. And I, I really believe in that. That's beautiful. Yeah. 
what advice would you give people about pursuing a passion of theirs? Mm. What would you say? I love that question um, because I think, and I recognize that everyone has their own unique connection to this world. And that just because I work on gay rights doesn't make, make someone else, um, doesn't mean that someone else with a different passion can't follow their heart in a similar way that I do. I think one of the things that I would suggest in terms of following their heart is again going back to that notion of knowing yourself. What are you capable of? What gets you up in the morning? What um, helps you think, um, get passionate about the world? And then how are, can you tangibly make that work? Um, and, and how can you build a better life for others, right? In all that you do, whether you think about um, cleaning up a beach of, uh, of waste or thinking about systemic changes like racism or sexism or homophobia or doing all sorts of different things in different parts of the world, whether it's on the other side of the world or in your own backyard, there are so many things that people can do to make a difference, but also to live whole and meaningful lives um, that it's really up to them. But it's about first knowing yourself and being mindful that that intention that you live with actually really matters. And so go chase that dream, be intentional. Um, you will have naysayers that say there's something wrong with you, but the more naysayers you have, it almost indicates your success sometimes because the world tries to stay the stagnant when the reality is we're we're all moving. We're moving right now. <laughs> you know, the world is turning and uh, we can't just stay in one place. And it's important that we carry what we've learned from our lives into the future in some capacity, even in the smallest way that even if it means loving your kids, loving your parents, loving your friends, give them a hug and tell them that they matter to you. That's what matters in this world. And it's important we remember that. You have so many great things to share. You are so inspirational. I'm so glad Thank that we come to see you. But can you make sure that you give us your contact information right now so people, <laughs> if they would like to reach out to you, they can? Um, all right. Uh, yeah, my, uh, my name is Ryan Ubuntu Olson, and I can be reached at ryan.olson15 at gmail.com or R-Y-A-N dot O-L-S-O-N-1-5 at gmail.com. Also, I'm not related to the Olson twins. <laughs> As Just in people, case we were wondering. <laughs> in case you were wondering. <laughs> They're my long-lost cousins, I swear. No. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And you're involved in so many things. So if anybody wants to get involved, they can reach out to you and you can direct them that Please. way. Because you have a lot of things going on. Oh, my gosh, yes, yes. Uh, anything from the I, – I mentor a ton of young people um, on everything from local issues to global issues. I'm on a couple boards uh, specifically on recognizing – queer African LGBT or queer African folks from both the diaspora and the continent of Africa. Um, I do all sorts of stuff. So please let me know if I can be of support or help and help people know if they can get how they can get involved to make a difference. Mm. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I have come to be known as the 50 states in 90 days lady, a concept that is unfathomable to most. If you would like me to come speak at your event about how to envision, explore, and execute a plan, or how to create a life that is more exciting or more meaningful, you can find me at MotivateMePodcast.com. And the world keeps turning and I just keep moving along. Oh.